Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's myself, Ross the Boss Casey, in charge this week with Dom earning a well-earned week off after his performance on the episode 50 show, which James, I think you were in particular waxing lyrical about. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I listened a bit late, so I'd sort of, there'd been some in the group chat discussion about what was happening, so I was a little bit late to the party, but um, no, I really enjoyed <laughs> it. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. So yeah, we're past that uh, milestone now, so hopefully we're not going to get out first ball after <laughs> hitting the half century in this episode 51 with myself, James... JCH Harris, you're back in the seat, James, after a pretty heavy weekend. I think that's every weekend these days, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got enough, I've got no winning, no stag do, no trip this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so are you expecting a better performance or a worse performance than your last book of bingo? Uh, I think last was my best ever one, so... <laughs> Which isn't a high bar, but... <laughs> and for his first episode since i think episode 38 is a while josh heady from the wild lands of leicester how you doing josh i'm all right mate in preparation for book of bingo i've actually bought a smoothie rather than an alcoholic beverage so <laughs> we're expecting a brummer-esque <laughs> novella from you <laughs> um so shall we crack on with the call-up sheet let's go We didn't get many entries this week, but we did get a specific ask from Wrestling Should Be Fun member, someone that you know well, James. Mr. Uh, Michael Aldridge, Shads, wanted a uh, shout out on the call out sheet this week. Excellent. Michael Aldridge, Road Dog 85. And he wanted to let you know that in, that is from Birmingham, not Coventry, for wrestling purposes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the well, obvious one is like, he's just in that crew with Seamus and Butch and Ridge Holland, isn't he? He's in Fight Night. Yeah. <laughs> as, but then, so is he going to sort of like tag team up with Pete Dunne as a second dog-based gimmick? Yeah, so what dog-based gimmick could he have? Bone. Beethoven. Bone. <laughs> Who's the most famous dog from Birmingham? Is Gene Money from Birmingham? Really not sure. That is a niche question. <laughs> is there a dog on doctors <laughs> what? yeah I've struggled here I feel back to Susan's corner <laughs> well his name is, is uh, Shads which is is that based on Shadow yeah so maybe he's like a gladiator, gladiator. well hang on a minute though mate I've just found out that they have a uh... Crufts in Birmingham. Oh, brilliant. in Birmingham. Uh, that is perfect. So I feel he's got to be a, a sort of show dog enthusiast. And he's going to take Pete Dunne under his wing and sort of refine him from being this sort of scrappy-do character into being a proper show dog. That is Crufts. I like it. I, I like the fact that he could have a theme song that's, well, he's the best in show. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't think that, that we're going to better that. <laughs> Improve from the opening. Come on. <laughs> Uh, okay, next up, let's go with people that have got uh, profiles handy. We've got Festus Berry Butt Soup Crunch. <laughs> Hashtag Berry okay. Club. Forklift certified. Mostly harmless. He's a BBC contributor. And he's going to kick the dictionary's ask, ass, even, not ask. And he's going to join Dark Order. Has so he like... passed his forklift driver's test? <laughs> yeah, he gives the test. <laughs> <laughs> But if he contributes to the BBC, has he not got to be all, like, politically correct? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Even though he's called Butt Soup Crunch. Yeah. <laughs> and he wants to join the Dark Order, who, if anyone watches Being the Elite, aren't exactly PC sometimes. This is true. This is true. So which um, part of this wonderful gimmick are we going to go with? Are we going to go with Butt Crunch? Are we going to go with Festus Berry? Are we going to go with Berry Club? Dark Order? Or some kind of thespian that can kick the dictionary's ass? I was more looking at the forklift, like, you know, like <laughs> mid-90s WWF, where like everyone had a working man's gimmick. Can you not yeah. just be like a forklift driver? You know, like Repo Man and all yeah, those guys. Perfect. Repo Man. And I think he's, uh, his manager is David Brent. <laughs> his manager is David Brent. <laughs> and he's very good at um, describing mythical creatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect. And last but not least, we've got, I hope I pronounced this right, DCOM number six, neurodivergent creator moderator of the Scandigrap subreddit. He, him, cinephile, pro wrestling fan, amateur video maker, memento morai, amor fatty from Copenhagen and Denmark. And he wanted us to plug the fact that uh, Scandigraps is now on Reddit. Right. <laughs> he sounds clever. Yeah, neurodivergent sounds. Yeah, that sounds clever for me. <laughs> like, I'm just quite understand. And I'm not that clever. <laughs> neurodivergence confused me as it's. What, what... Yeah, likewise. <laughs> so it's well, almost like um, he does promos that are too clever for his, like for his own good because it goes over people's heads. So he's almost like a Kevin Nash promo. That he's I was say he's a Scan- Scandinavian Brummet. <laughs> <laughs> Two inside baseball. <laughs> Bramit's got long hair, so he's got that sort of Viking look. Maybe they could tag up and make <laughs> us feel even more that we don't understand anything because they're too too clever for us. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, thanks very much for your entries. And if you're from Scandinavia and you're into the graps, head over to Reddit where there is a new uh, subreddit called Scandi Graps. Next up, we've got ourselves... Plenty to talk about in what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. I believe Josh and James, you're only going to be really talking about AW this week, right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah. I can kind of touch on WWE if needs be, but yeah, AW I watched. Last night when I was having a three-hour conversation with America, I had BT Sport in the background with no sound. Okay. And there did just seem to be a lot of Randy Orton and, and Matt Riddle on my screen. Yeah, which a few years ago, you'd have loved that. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so shall we maybe start with progress, then you chat AW, and then we finish off on a little bit of WWE? Sounds, Sounds good, good right? to me. 
cool. So myself and Mike went to Progress on the Sunday. And on Monday, there was a group of six of us, Sam, Omar, Brummett, Mike, and Dom joined myself. Dom did a fantastic job as always on the Instagram on Monday, tagging away at all the wrestlers. Got some, some really nice shots and some regrams from the wrestlers themselves. That's nice from everyone. And I have to say that the two days of wrestling was really, really good. The elephant in the room obviously being that the shows got moved from the ballroom to the dome, a slightly smaller show. I'm assuming that was down to ticket sales, but that's a business side of things, nothing to do with us. In terms of providing entertainment in the ring, they absolutely smashed it out of the park. It was an Atlas tournament, so eight-man tournament that turned into a nine-man with a three-way to decide who's the new champion of the Atlas division, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically the big boy wrestling, the antithesis of 205 Live. You have to be over a certain weight limit to wrestle, um, so we saw some really good matches. We saw the likes of Ricky Shane Page back in the progress ring, who looked in really good nick. Um, last time that I saw him, he certainly didn't look in as good nick as that. Uh, he pulled off a walking frog splash to win his match on day one, uh, then had really good match against Jonah on day two. Jonah looked brilliant in the two matches that he had, a match against RSP, and then the final a match against Luke Jacobs, who they crowned champion at just 21 years old. Luke Jacobs is a progress wrestling champion with the Atlas belt on his shoulder. We have got a really nice picture of him at the bar with the group of us, which was a lot of fun. Um, he looked absolutely knackered because he just wrestled three absolute bangers in two days. First match that he had was against Big Damo, formerly Killian Dane, his, his name was in NXT. He had a great match there, just 10 minutes of them battering each other. And finally, um, Jacobs won with a humongous lariat in that match. And then Damo picked him up at the end of the match and said, you better go and win that fucking belt. And that's exactly what he did, so that was cool. Then the second match that he had was against Warren Banks, someone that we've waxed lyrical about on this podcast of late, someone that Progress have really got behind, putting him in main event matches with the likes of Jonathan Gresham and absolutely smashing it out of the park. Those two had a brilliant match. The match included a lot of fighting spirit coming back from underneath, including uh, both wrestlers kicking out of their finishes at one. And then finally, a win for, uh, what's his name, Jacobs, <laughs> in the semi-final. And then the final, absolutely brilliant match. Jonah previously played kind of the face in the previous match, but they managed to, at least in the ring, they produced a match that made you support Jacobs. There was a lot of people at the show that were obviously big Jonah fans from his previous run on the indies and also in NXT as Bronson Reed. So there's a bit of a split crowd for the final, which is a bit of a shame because they did do their best to make sure that he was the one that was being cheered by in the previous match. The Lycos gym appeared and attacked Banks after the match in the semi-final and told Jacobs to hit him with the bacon tray and he threw the bacon tray down and beat up uh, like Oz Jim to the rapture of the fans um, so yeah it was a brilliant brilliant weekend the wrestling was good the atmosphere was great for the people that were there and yeah we were back in London with our mates having a lot of fun so yeah we had a great time um, is there any questions about the show from you boys? Yeah, do you reckon the with the like ticket sales the, the, the show being in the dome was actually probably a better thing for yeah, I the think, size and, and it makes it seem more the atmosphere won't be 
has lost so much as it can get in the, in the ballroom when it's a little bit quieter. Yeah, absolutely. The first ballroom show back was the quietest that we've seen it, I think. Um, it's kind of grown steadily since that first show, isn't it? It's kind of getting back towards what it was in terms of ticket sales. And it did take a while for it to get back to kind of a heated environment. But yeah, in the dome, it didn't feel empty because it's a smaller venue. So I think it made the right sense. What would your opinion be on going forward? Obviously, this weekend was Easter and they've run about five shows in three weeks, pretty much, haven't they? Yeah. Do you think like going forward that they could potentially try and build um, the sort of heat up for the product by making it a bit of a t- like hard, hard ticket to get in the dome and then sort of do quarterly shows or biggest shows at the boring? I think that's an interesting take, but I think it's just dependent on ticket sales, isn't it? I think... They've probably just got the ballroom book now up until the end, the end of the year. And if needs be, then they can swap a venue if they're struggling for ticket sales, really. I don't think that they're going to be in a situation too much longer after Super Strong. where they are going to have so many shows in London. They've got a few based around the country, haven't they? Coming up until the end of the year, the likes of Sheffield and Birmingham and Manchester and Cardiff, of course, for the Cardiff show for um, WWE. So I think they're going to hope that they're going to sell out the ballroom for the next few shows, I think. But what I mean, I say the ballroom is what, like seven hundred capacity, was it? Back yeah. In the day, what, was, what do you reckon the dome is about half that? Is yeah. As like, a maximum, just like- yeah, as a max, yeah, maybe even less. But yeah, as like as a punter, we were closer to the action. We were right next to the bar, so it was very much like being at the ballroom, but closer to the ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I really like the dome, and I, I, I don't know. I say I like the, the ballroom's obviously great as well. And since and when it is a bit quieter, we get a little bit closer. I can still stand at the bar, which is a bonus. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I say either work work for me. I just you know, like the sort of um the old rush for the tickets back in the day. If you're selling less tickets, you're sort of driving up the demand, and that might yeah, yeah. increase people's like need to get one rather than you know because at the moment you can sort of like oh well, we can rock up on the day <laughs> yeah yeah which is great for us if you don't you don't have to plan out your money in advance but i guess i don't know yeah yeah it's definitely an interesting take but i'm almost certain that... just just a thought <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then in terms of obviously the the wrestling itself was all good there wasn't anything that was a dud on either of the two shows but some like fun memories. One was having Santos back in the progress ring. Obviously, he hasn't been wrestling since the pandemic. Um, he was someone that the fans of Wrestling Should Be Fun voted the funniest wrestler in the world. I think in 2019, I think it was, that we did our World Cup. He beat, um, beat Eddie in the final, which is pretty funny. And he was tweeting away during the whole process of it, saying, how am I beating the likes of Eddie and Owen Hart? <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, having him back was amazing. He was just a special enforcer in the Joe Hendry match. So he gave Joe Hendry a stunner. Um, that was the only kind of um, fit, like physical stuff that he got involved with other than, of course, getting out his gun <laughs> and, uh, th- th- and threatening uh, Joe Hendry with the gun. So yeah, that was great to have him back. And fingers crossed, that's something that we can see a lot more of because I think we can say across the board that the more that Santos is on a show, the more fun the show is. And another great memory for me is the continued build of uh, Cara Noir against Spike Trevay. I think I'm probably the least, no, no, the most guilty, sorry, of this in the 
group of someone that gets a little bit tired of just match, 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 match with my wrestling. That's probably because I'm constantly watching Superstars 92, where there's not really many matches and it's all vignettes and promos. But progress prided itself back in the day when it was in its boom with the likes of Havoc versus Osprey being the main kind of thread that kept you wanting to come back to these shows alongside the brilliant wrestling. And Cara Noir and Spike Gervais are doing that exactly right now in the current climate of progress. The chair beatdown at the anniversary show, we spoke about it on the show that we spoke about that. It was genuinely kind of difficult to watch the way that Spike Gervais tied him to the ropes and hit him with that chair, what, 10, 12 times? And you could see the welts coming out straight away. Uh, it was pretty grim. Uh, the sound of the chair up against his back. And we haven't seen Spike since then. And he came out uh, for a promo with the mask in his bag on day one and basically reiterated that Cara Noir is not a nice person. And it's proved by the fact that when he gave him that beatdown, nobody came out to save him. And the only other person that that, that would happen to in progress is himself. Uh, so that's a pretty cool kind of way of getting in his head. Uh, then day two came along and he had a match against Danny Black. And he absolutely destroyed Danny Black before the bell with the chair. So the whole match was based around the fact that Danny Black was pretty much wrestling with one leg. And the whole time he was going around telling the fans, where's your special Cara Noir? All that sort of stuff. And then eventually from nowhere, oh, sorry, on day one also, he did a lights out fakery, a little bit like you see on AEW sometimes, where the hill is saying something like, your favorite wrestler Sting will never come to this show. And then the lights go out and then the hill is just left in the ring afterwards. And he's just laughing at the crowd saying, haha, got you. So he did that on day one, did that on day two during his match as well, whilst Danny Black was down with the leg injury. And again, we fell for it and we cheered. And again, he was nowhere <laughs> to be found. And we were just like, I'm really annoyed at him. That's so great. That's so great. <laughs> and then walking through the crowd, three quarters of the way through the match was Cara Noir, just kind of like really intensely staring. He didn't run in. He didn't beat the shit out of him. It was just more like playing mind games with mind games. And it was amazing. And then he just calmly took his chair and sat on the top of the ramp and watched the match whilst Spike Gervais was taking control of the match because he's fighting a guy with only one leg. And rather than taking his like full eye on the match, he's got one off it on Karen and he's saying, why aren't you getting involved? Why aren't you getting involved? Fight me, fight me. And he would just smirk at him. And then eventually... Danny Black attacked him from behind and beat him one, two, three. So Spike Trevay loses. Then once he's lost the match, then Cara Noir attacks him with the chair. Eventually they get pulled apart. And once they're pulled apart, Spike Trevay takes the opportunity to smash the mask of Cara Noir. And then he sat on the chair on the ramp, similar to what Cara Noir had just done to him. And he was the one saying, I'm in your head. So yeah, it's a really great story. Absolutely love it. And we're going to get a payoff of it at the next show, which in terms of selling tickets, everyone that was at that show, I'm assuming, similar to me, was a bit like, I'm not sure that I can afford it. And, you know, it's it's just the final one previous to the Super Strong Style tournament. So maybe I'll miss out. But they've booked that match. And now I'm definitely buying tickets. <laughs> is there some form of gimmick been announced already for it? Or is it just a regular match? I believe it's just a regular match. All right. Who knows what happens with this one? Like, I'm assuming it's just the first match in, of many. 
so yeah, that was progress. I had a great time. They're absolutely smashing it at the moment. They're building up stars. They're building up smaller stories. And then they're building up their big story. Absolutely brilliantly. Yeah, I was going to ask, Ross, um, obviously, because I only hear about progress of you guys, really. So would you definitely say since it's come back, it's been a success then? Yeah, I'd say so. Like, like obviously, yeah. obviously, That's I good. can't say from a business point of view. Yeah. Like, I don't know numbers. I'm not part of the backstage stuff. All that I can sense is that obviously... The ticket sales weren't amazing over the Easter weekend, but they did book four shows the previous month, plus put on the three-day event on sale for June, which I'm sure people would take preference. So it was fairly obvious to me that those shows were going to struggle for ticket sales. But in terms of the output, I would say it's been a success. How about you, James? Yeah, I've enjoyed it, uh, going to the shows. So I've missed a few, just like this weekend, I wasn't around. Well, I managed to get to the pub, but missed the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I've enjoyed the product and I'd say like, I mean, what you didn't mention or know there was a match on, uh, I've really enjoyed the tag division since it's been back. The likes of Smoking Aces and Sunshine yeah. Machine, 0121. I say, I, I don't know what you thought of their match this weekend, but they've been probably like the highlights of the shows for me uh, since I've been back, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That was the main event of day one, Sunshine Machine versus 0121. They absolutely smashed it, even with Dan Maloney seemingly getting an injury. And having to kind of leave the ring and come back. Yeah, the crowd was so into that. There was dueling chance for like 10 minutes previous to the match. Um, so, so Simon Miller couldn't even introduce the wrestlers because he was like just waiting for the crowd to calm down. And they just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, really good moments. And there was a lovely moment as well where we got the return of, of Sanity with the former Alexander Wolfe and the former Killian Dane in a tag team match. Um, and you could see how much they were enjoying it. And at the end, people were chatting, welcome back. And Demo, in particular, was like really almost choked up by it, which is lovely. Nice. Should we move on to AE Dub? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to talk about this week. Do you want to start, Josh? Yeah, I've got the, the gist of the three shows, really, this week with Dynamite. Dynamite was like... Basically, the crux of Dynamite was there was lots of bits in between, but there was four, not like one really good match. I thought there was like four, four star plus matches on Dynamite, which on a TV show, like I can't even remember the last time that happened because you had Penta and Punk, you had um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus against Red Dragon, you had Keith Lee and Swerve against Starks and Hobbs, and then in the main event, you had Joe and Suzuki. And then all I fucking see on social media is everyone talking about the ending, which which really annoyed me, actually, because it was a really good show. But all I, I saw, my entire timeline the next morning was this bloody seven-foot Carly 2.0. <laughs> yeah. It was like ugh, everyone just moaning about it and barely anyone talking about the four like really good matches on the show. So I was really annoyed by the reaction to Dynamite, to be honest. Welcome to social media, mate. Oh, mate. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm with you, Josh. And in that, I'd, um, as I was, I watched it, must have been Thursday or Thursday night. Oh, yeah. No, I actually stayed up to watch it on Wednesday night because I really wanted to see a couple of matches at the start. And I watched the set, I watched the second half. Yeah. Next day. And, and obviously, I went, yeah, went to a wedding on Saturday and had a great time. And I'd forgotten that. I remembered the matches, but I'd forgotten that bloke even shown up. So um, <laughs> um, until you mentioned it. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. There was so much quality wrestling. It was absolutely stacked. 
Oh, it was it was oh, it was wait, a great show. I mean, I think I tried to get when I saw the card on Wednesday. I tried to get Mike to do a quick pickums for it because I thought it was such a stacked card. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it was about three forty-five. Just probably giving him, not really giving him time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> his whole laptop. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, I thought it was, it was such a good show. I mean, I love again. A tag match was probably my highlight, but then like just the opening like six minutes of the main event was also just yeah, was right, was right a bit of me. Like, so I was um. I was once at a RevPro show and there was quite a similar spot that I saw in a match. It was Suzuki and Zach against Okada and Ishii. And Ishii and Suzuki did something very similar to what Joe and Suzuki did. And honestly, it was amazing. <laughs> they just stood there and chopped each other just like Joe and Suzuki did. And it was great. So I absolutely loved it. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, I, was, like, the, it was great. It was uh, Keith Lee and Ishii had a similar thing in RevPro, yeah. which was like, my favourite match that year I saw, I gave it my match of the year. So, yeah, I love yeah. that. I can, I can watch that all day, literally. <laughs> as much as I like I like the young bucks and people like that, I'll happily just see two big guys just sat there chopping each other to bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked um, the pop that Ricky Starks got in his hometown. I thought, and he was he seemed quite emotional at that. And I really like Ricky Starks, so it was really cool to see that. Yeah, he's very over. I found that yeah. interesting because it was almost like they, they absolutely knew that there was no chance that that crowd were going to boo Ricky Starks. So they didn't give them any opportunity to. They just let him kind of play the yeah. face in it, really. I think they kind of learned their lesson from the infamous MJF one. Do you know when he went to Long Island? Yes. And it yeah. was like the most bizarre... <laughs> bit of wrestling I've ever seen <laughs> yeah. um, that was so good we, he, he, did the, he just kept running in and they did the yeah. and then oh, run off oh. again <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah and then in terms of the booking of the match Keith Lee was protected because he lost by cheating and then Hobbs looked great in the ring yeah. as well and yeah obviously Starks just came across like a star didn't he yeah it was just like I said the whole show was was really good apart from the last minute <laughs> so I think if you've got an hour 59 of good stuff and then one minute of bad, I think that's a pretty good ratio, I think. Was that finish actually bad or was it just a case of the fact that we don't know who that dude is? Yeah, I think it's that. I think because I think Tony Khan said since he could have done it better. And I think like the lights out thing has been done way too often. I think of like when Malachi Black debuted to a lights out thing, people went nuts. But like. It's all good commentary explaining who the guy was. And I kind of knew of the guy. Like, I knew who he was, but didn't know him, if that made sense. Like, I remember hearing a while back that AEW basically signed a basketball player from India. And I was like, okay. But, yeah, I don't think... I didn't really know. It was... Yeah, it was just really underwhelming. And it came off as very, like... Because I was actually a fan when The Great Khali debuted. So it was like, gave me terrible, terrible, terrible flashbacks. (laughs) I thought it was Brody King because like they yeah. went black. I was like, oh, it's gonna be a house of black. It's gonna be some like Joe Black. I was, right. I was yeah. a, big, a big bloke quite far behind him. I, I was like, oh yeah, oh, mate, we've got Brody. King. Oh no, that's not Brody King. No. It's, uh, <laughs> <So> someone else. <laughs> it's because he even did like the the head squeeze thing, which Carly did for a little bit. Yeah, and I'm like, no, not this again. There's that quality <laughs> like of him. Eleven year old me having flashbacks. Oh, God, 11, 12-year-old Josh is, is having a nightmare. <laughs> like, not again. <laughs> so do you think that really the only issue really was the blackout? Do you think that if 
he just came through the crowd or whatever. Like it would have been. I think coming through the crowd would have worked better. Actually, yeah, would have come across as more like shocking. Like who the who on earth is this guy? Yeah, I, I don't think um, it was really just. I I personally didn't think it was really necessary at all at that moment. I think that was no. My yeah. my I didn't really have I say an issue with it because I'd forgotten it happened, so it wasn't that memorable for me. Yeah, <laughs> like um, I, yeah, I just don't really. See, I didn't really like. It just had like a yeah banging match and just just let it go and then do it another next time or yeah I don't know or, or have like lethal and that come out first yeah they come out, they come out afterwards didn't they and they yeah. start that when they, they come out and then he helps them out mm. and there's a little bit more like context to it I don't know maybe it was just a way of TK getting away from the fact that he booked a title change after four days or whatever it was <laughs> oh Jesus <laughs> but it's that but like that sort of thing does happen yeah this is the thing. Like, like, MMA people lose titles all the time. I think I've had a chat with producer Phil about this before. Like, it's all good doing long-term storytelling, but one time you're gonna have to pull out a shock result because if everyone can see all the title changes coming all the time, you need to do a shock every now and then just to show it can happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I saw but, people online saying like, "Oh, look, TK copying NXT 2.0 with the quick title change." Uh, <laughs> oh god, here we go. As if NXT 2.0 invented t- quick title changes. Yeah. Um, something that, that I did want to uh, talk about about this show is the incredible selling of the leg that CM Punk did in that match against Penner. I was fully convinced that he'd hurt himself for real. I was so convinced. I was terrified. I was like, no. So we got to the point in, in the group chat where there's kind of a split in the crowd of was that a planned botch spot or was it a genuine botch? Either way, the fact that he sold it to the point where that actually became the pivotal moment of the match and it made the match better is absolutely yeah. so good, isn't it? Like, not many wrestlers can do that, either if it was planned or if it was on the fly. CM Punk yeah. is a fucking man. This might be a controversial fact. I don't know if it is or not, but I actually think this is the best CM Punk there's ever been. Like, this since he's come back. I think he's honestly got better and better and better in terms of, like, an all-round performer. Yeah. And that finishing sequence is fucking brilliant. Yeah, that I don't, think, I don't think that's a terrible too. take at all. I think he's absolutely killing it. And he's obviously, I, I don't know, I, I was obviously such a big CM Punk fanboy uh, growing up, or well, yeah, when, when he was in his original run, that he couldn't, you sort of didn't, he couldn't really do any wrong. He wouldn't really, and, and you see people say, yeah, he's, he's obviously a great promo. He's, his matches are fine. He's not like a, top top wrestler and maybe yeah. that maybe that was true and maybe yeah, he now he knows his limitations and he's working them into his the stories of his matches it makes him yeah. look even better i just kind of like how he's having he's not having one type of match he's had match against like so many different types of opponents like he's had matches with hobbs and like penta and like mjf and he's like he's facing dustin rose next week on, on wednesday sorry and that'll probably be really good as well so yeah, yeah i just think he's be fun. yeah i just think he's great Another thing that I wanted to talk about quickly on Dynamite was how they're building Wardlow is fantastic, isn't it? Oh, brilliant. Absolutely, yeah, brilliant. And I think they've done really well in terms of like reading the room on Wardlow. You know, like not pulling the trigger too soon. I think they've got it pretty spot on. And like when that match happens with MJF and Wardlow, it's going to be great. I Until the punk stuff, I thought the rivalry they had with Cody and the story they did there, which was kind of what they're doing here when... We always knew MGF was going to turn on Cody eventually, but I think they got it the timing bang on. And I think they've done it again with this one. So, yeah, really great stuff. And 
Warlow's like he's great, isn't he? As well, <laughs> he's really good. And um, uh, props to the directors of um, AEW as well because that visual of him stood behind MGF as MGF, yeah, um, kind of um, yeah. arrogantly was celebrating the fact that he'd got rid of Wardlow and then he saw that it was Wardlow as the security was super cool. And then just watching him beat up dudes is the best. And they managed to get about 15 guys out there for him to just <laughs> destroy. It was really cool. Yeah, he's just like one of the coolest wrestlers on the roster now. Yeah, definitely. But so much charisma. It's, I say, even from back at the end of the, like for his turn with just that little shrug. And then, oh, here it is. <laughs> and he gave him ring to punk. And then he, and he's just, he's got that sort of, it's almost smarm, but it's because you know MJF deserves it. It's it's not smarmy. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I can't think of the right word, but but yeah, you just like you can just see the joy that he's got every time he gets one over on him, and like, obviously everyone wants to see MJF get shit kicked out of him. So and and <laughs> Sean Spears, who's just like a, such an annoying little rat, isn't he? Yeah, he's great. Sean Spears, oh, he's, he's so guy. he's so oh. great at doing that role, isn't he? <laughs> I genuinely don't like him, <laughs> which is obviously what you're doing right. But I just like, oh God, I want to see him get beaten yeah, up even great. more, I think. He's great. And I just throw out a little bit more love for uh, Jurassic Express and Red Dragon. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Yeah that, yeah, that was my like favourite match. Obviously, like people know I'm a big, big Red Dragon fan. And I said after the pay-per-view that I thought they made, that Red Dragon and the Bucks made Jurassic Express look like a big deal. When coming into that match, they were sort of the afterthought, and you thought they yeah. maybe just there to drop the belts, but they looked like they. And I thought again they were going to drop the belts, but um, they looked like they're setting up for like a match with uh, Revive or FTR. Yeah, um, be amazing. I'm a bit. Well, I, I mean, I'm guessing that Red Dragon can go back into some sort of six man with Kenny and the Bucks, so there'll be stuff for them to do, which would be nice. But um, yeah, that I thought that was another fantastic. I think Red Red Dragon is so good. That match, I really enjoyed it, and yeah, Jurassic Express looked better every time, and they looked like genuine stars, which obviously they are. But yeah, as a tag team, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, you've basically got your favorite tag team now with the best tag team roster ever, so you get to see lots of dream matches for you, mate. Yeah, I sadly they have to hang out with Adam Cole. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I've loved, loved watching them since they've gone over. Yeah. And then we had Rampage on the Friday. Did people watch Rampage? What did you guys make of the match? The death match? Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought it was, I, get, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was like a classic, but I did think it was really good. It, I just feel like there's so many bangers every week in AEW. I'm kind of like, Im, not immune, but like, it takes a lot to really impress me now. And I feel really bad for it because these two guys yeah. are like a hell of a show. Yeah. So for me... This was nowhere near the standard of the Archer deathmatch, personally. No, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that, to be fair, yeah. But I think that this does more for Adam Page in terms of the progression for his character. Yeah, definitely, yeah. He was the anxious cowboy that wasn't quite sure of himself, and then he became champion. And now, his confidence is sky-high right now. Previously, he got told that he was in a a deathmatch, and his face was like, what? Like, you could tell that he, that he wasn't sure about being able to win that match against Archer. And he went out there, he went through hell, and he won it. Whereas, yeah. this, whereas this match, it was him who challenged Cole to one because he knows that, that he can do it. Yeah. And then he was also one step ahead of Cole throughout the whole match. Cole tried to do, like, the, um, the like, fake 
moonsault thing. So, for example, Paige saw that come in and didn't run into the corner and let him kind of miss it. And that sort of thing was happening throughout the match. So they were basically telling the story that actually, previously it was Paige that had the confidence issue. And now it's actually Cole. Cole yeah. is now the one that's got the existential crisis. So it's quite interesting because not only do you build Paige up now as a credible champion in terms of his own right, in terms of his own mentality, you've also got Cole now as he was always the kind of shallow, overconfident dude. And now he's been brought down a peg or two. So that's going to give his character a new side to him, which will be great. And not only have they put the confidence to Paige, it doesn't take away from the anxious cowboy stuff because I could try and sense like online that people are going to be a little bit like, oh, I preferred the anxious cowboy stuff because I could relate to it. But I think it's important yeah. that he doesn't just stay as that because he's, he is the champion now. So he's got to feel like he's the champion. And by keeping him confident, the one thing that they've done to make sure he's getting cheered is that he kept his morality. That spot where he tied up Cole in the ropes and had the opportunity to hit him with, with the chair and then chose not to do it. That's the sort of thing that is going to keep him being cheered. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think like it was tick, tick, tick in terms of all of the story beats. And whilst the yeah. match wasn't anywhere near as good as the Archer one for me personally, I think it did way more for the story. And sometimes in yeah. wrestling, that's more important. It was laid out really well. I'll give them that. Yeah. I personally preferred the uh, six-man opener. I would absolutely agree with that because I think the Blackpool Combat Club might be my favourite thing in wrestling right now. I just love absolutely everything about them with all my heart, to be honest with you. I've got nothing bad to say about <laughs> any of them at all. Um, so good. And like Regal is just like a kid on commentary. He, he is having the best time, isn't he? And it's so <laughs> great to see. Um, and then uh, Mr. Rass, he old about the years in that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what a man. I absolutely love the dynamic. Where, and because like, he's so big, yeah. he, like, he came... He just came across as credible, even though he is like 50 and hasn't really wrestled much on AEW outside, well, on AEW TV much. Yeah. He just he just came across as, and the way that like Regal and Taz were talking about having, you know, been on the end of his moves and stuff, I think helped. Yeah. And he's just that big that it helped, even though like he's not star power wise, nowhere near like a Mox or Ed Bryan. But just the way they sort of talked about him, the way he looks, he still looks in incredible shape. And I think that, Oh, or a mate, which a match which you could easily have seen being like a, a squash. It was and really some harsh. people probably say it should. Yeah, have been. It thoroughly entertained. Really good, and yeah, and they, and to give you to the pin was I think a big deal as well. Yeah, I just like you said, I really like the dynamic how Austin and Colton were like running off scared and telling the dad off the nasty people bullying them. I just thought that really <laughs> worked really well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like literally nothing bad to say about anything about that match at all because I thought it was fucking great I could watch the Blackpool Combat Club wrestle for hours any combination of them against anyone to be honest so yeah I do like the way the AEW I think it's like from like a Japanese type thing is that they'll give the they'll play the music of the person who gets the pin yeah so they played Yuta's music they didn't play like Wild Thing or whatever Final Countdown remix Brian's using yeah, and I think I mean, and that sort of reminded me of like watching like a multi, I say multi tags in Stardom, and that you just the person who got the pin would always get the music. I mean, maybe it happens everywhere, but I just I only sort of didn't really know, I only noticed it elsewhere, and I thought because it's obviously because Yuta got the pin and got his music, I thought that was quite a nice touch, and I think that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think 
it was really important that it was him that got the win in that match. And also, I love the fact that the commentators were constantly putting over the win record that the gun club had as well. So it made it feel more important. Yeah. 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 And then the rest of Rampage, we could probably run through quicker than the Butcher's actual match. <laughs> right. Here's one thing. Like, I did think about that because, I mean, I know like people get like caught up on names and name changes, but having a go just butcher the butcher when he's got no blade, it just yeah. seemed weird. Yeah. It's like, here he is the butcher <laughs> or butcher in action later. <laughs> just like expecting Ricky or Frank to come out or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one for the kids <laughs> or a forklift uh, driver. what did everyone else think about AEW's having a go at the uh, twin magic gimmick (laughs) it didn't work (laughs) no it didn't work they lost (laughs) and at the end they were like ah see there's two of us and Ruby Wright's like yeah Yeah, there's two but I won anyway well done (laughs) I figured it was going to they were going to get get one of them to win, and then it would be like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems strange to do and not win. It was odd, I'll give you that. I did kind of zone out of the middle of Rampage, I'll be honest. I feel bad because I can't remember their name, but the wrestler who wrestled the majority of that match, I thought she was really good. Was it Robin? I've got yeah. Robin in my head. Yeah, Robin. Yeah. So in Cartwright? Or, no. Yeah, she was really good. Yeah. Robin Renegade. That's it. That's it. The Renegade twins, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was great. Wouldn't mind seeing more of her. Well, you can see a double her if you want, mate. <laughs> I'll, I will literally see, see more of her. <laughs> I, I, that, that reminded me, I did like the way they portrayed uh, Marina Shafir on Dynamite as well. The rest of the it's crowd didn't care, though, did they? Well. <laughs> I felt so bad for her because like, it was the perfect match to book if she's facing Jade. And the crowd was silent. And I was like, no, don't do this to her. Yeah. Like they were literally silent, and I felt so bad for her. Again, though, this goes back to the ending of AEW in that everyone's so invested in all these characters Yeah. that when you bring in someone that people aren't invested in, it really yeah. shows. But the drop-off was just from the rest of the show was just ridiculous. Like, yeah, I just felt terrible for them. Really did. Yeah, hopefully in a few weeks' time, people will be just as invested in her as other people. But, yeah, fingers when crossed. Is- when is the match with Jade? Is it this week? Like this week now? This Friday, Friday I think, yeah. Right. Hmm. Be interesting to see. I think only because I just watched Battle of the Belts before this and I think I saw it advertised for Friday. Right, okay, yeah. So I didn't see Battle of the Belts. What was the highlight? So I read, which I don't often do, because I wasn't sure if I'd have time to watch it or not, I read the spoilers and then made a decision not to watch the show based upon the result of the first match. The crowd like, for that match I don't want to see that. Weird. Yeah, because Sky's the heel and then nobody likes the baby face. Yeah, why Why does everyone hate Sammy Guevara? Because him and his over. girlfriend are the most annoying people on social media <laughs> ever. That's why, mate. That's literally why. Because usually he does those card things, and I, I'll be honest, I, I usually I skip, skip them. through them. Yeah, I do. I skip them and all. <laughs> So Dan Lambert's hear... managed to be a heel dickhead and turn another yeah, face I... heel like Brandy. <laughs> That's, That's the, the thing. Like, if, you're getting, if you're getting booed against the guy who's managed by Dan Lambert, like you're a really bad like baby face. <laughs> I did read that apparently when Sammy and Ty Conti won, didn't they tease like walking down the heel tunnel? Oh, I, I, might, I was, I was, yeah. I was doing some washing at the same time. But then, like, 
<laughs> but I always have faith in like AW that like they kind of know what they're doing. So like they must know people are turning on Sammy, but then people are turning on Cody and they didn't care. So <laughs> yeah, but I think Cody's got nuance enough to play that kind of tweener-ish role. Yeah, whereas, whereas... I'm not sure that Sammy does. I, I was thinking about fifty-fifty though, because like half the crowd yeah. was big, and I swear he's from down that way as well. Because I know Sal watched the Royal Rumble with him at someone's house once, <laughs> but, but when he was still like on on the indie indies, yeah. But um, so I think he's from down. Well, he's definitely works a lot in Texas, and it was like because it was a real like let's go scene almost. Let's I think go Sammy Sammy sucks. Like I can't remember who said it, but someone said it. Like Sammy's got a really punchable face, <laughs> and he has, isn't he? He just looks like a dick. I don't know if you remember the the stadium stampede that the Jericho's team were in that Sammy won. And I was thinking, yeah, I really like this Sammy dude. He's a great baby face. And like, flash forward to now, I just think he's a dick. <laughs> Is that his social media more than his AEW stuff? It's a bit both. Like his promo last week when he's meant to be a baby face, and he said he doesn't care about Ethan Page's kids. I'm like, yeah, well, great baby face you are. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm kind of thinking like AW kind of know what they're doing. I hope they do with them. And if they do, then great. I really didn't like that they gave Scorpio Sky this year long winning streak to get to the title. And then he had the title for like just over a month. Like, brilliant. But we'll see how it goes. I think they've got a, a better track record than other people with booking stuff and letting it play out. So, yeah. Well, like, I know when Tony Khan wrote about that ending of dynamite one of the sayings that he put was the fans are always right and if he thinks that the fans are turning on sammy maybe yeah. maybe they're going to do the right thing in terms of that and not have the awkwardness of a baby face that's getting booed and turn him heel and if they're going to do that then the, obviously yeah I'll, I'll go with it if they do obviously a part of what got people hot about them was the stuff about them doing stuff with the belt now they, can't, they must know what they're doing yeah like maybe now that they've got the belt, they're gonna do like a sh- like a photo shoot or something silly on dynamite, you know. But they're also still building to like a Van Zandt Conte match because she came out again. Yeah, they can't turn Dan Lambert face, but you can't. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Because <laughs> like, obviously they wanted to do the brandy match, didn't they? I'm presuming, and obviously they can't really do that now. And like, I don't know if they've just like superseded Ty Conte into this thing or. It was planned all along or whatnot. I don't know, but... Yeah, it, it suggests to me that they sort of, yeah, they've dropped Sammy they just and have, they, yeah, they just have into the... Match. Yeah. 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 I know that in pro wrestling now, there's a lot of grey area, but this storyline is all over the place in terms of the heel face dynamics, isn't it? Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess, mate. What else was on Battle of the Belts, James? Well, there was Dalton Castle and Jonathan Gresham had a match. Perfectly acceptable wrestling, you know, what, what you'd expect from a Jonathan Gresham. It put Gresham end, out of the progress shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. And then your boy, again. Oh, he I, showed up again. He came he out and I still forgot. I still forgot he'd been on Dynamite. And I saw him 20 no, minutes I, ago. I did, now, I did see this clip because Samoa Joe came out of a pipe and then I was instantly invested yeah. in this YouTube clip. So, And then the main was Nyla and Thunder Rosa. And it's just sort of, okay, I think that's probably the, the best match personally on the show uh, maybe I must pay more attention to it I'm not sure but um, you got Thunder is a very you know good I think Nyla Rose just comes across as credible again as soon as what I said about Billy Gunn just that size advantage is, is giving the baby face fight from underneath mm. and uh, no I don't think anyone really expected her to, to win it 
but it's a good first sort of challenger. She's got championship pedigree before. It's a credible challenger to, to, for Thunder Rosa to beat and then move on and uh, just to get that um, title reign up and running. And you know, there's a few moments where you thought they're like decent, like close finishes. And uh, f- yeah, Thunder Rosa just had the, the fight to come back and, and get the win. So that was solid. I'd say that nothing uh, compared to the rest of the week, I think like nothing really stood out. It seemed like a weird show to just throw on for this when you've got so much that week anyway. But you've also got about 400 people on the roster, so you get them involved. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, we went pretty long there. So um, I think I might drop the WWE stuff because I don't think anyone else really wants to listen to me talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, any, um, any big any big things, though, mate, that, that really, like, because we've just talked about stuff that we weren't that impressed with for 10 minutes. Right? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, as big AEW fans, kind of a bit negative there. Apologies. <laughs> Down south slanging, rolling with these hustlers, trying to get rid of all you haters and you bust. Well, in terms of stuff that I really enjoyed, over on NXT, there's proof there that how these characters that are going to be a little bit underwhelming at the moment on WWE TV, there's proof again, similar to what Ziggler did in his run, Natalia came out. Cora Jade did her like kind of interview in the ring saying about how she was so close at TakeOver but she now knows that she can do it um, then she starts talking about the passion that she's got for the business etc and then Natty comes out and obviously she's well known as being like the locker room leader in the female division um, she's been there for so long and she comes out and she's on the verge of tears and she's saying about it's amazing seeing the passion that Cora has and then she hugs her and says that she can tell that she's the future and then she kind of changes her face or expression to like an angry face and says, but, but the future is bleak. And then punches her in the face and puts her in the, sh- <laughs> in the sharpshooter. That's, that's, that sounds like good booking to be fair. Because Cora Jade really needs to kick up the side in terms of a, as a character from what I've seen. So, And the crowd was so into Natalia at the start in terms of a baby face, which is mad because obviously she hasn't been a baby face on TV for some time. But that's the classic NST crowd, isn't it? That they cheer the heels and boo the faces. Uh, sorry, that, that way around. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just that the crowd was so into it that, yeah, it just made everything feel better. It was, it was nothing groundbreaking, but both both wrestlers played their part really well. It and helped Cora Jade out, I'm sure. Yeah, and the crowd were, were really into it. So yeah, absolutely loved it. And then also our boys, Pretty Deadly, made their debut match in a gauntlet match. The match itself really built the Creed brothers. The Creed brothers went, Drew number one in the in the gauntlet went all the way through to number five, but ultimately lost out to Pretty Deadly. Um, so yeah, you've got heel champions on on yeah. NXT um, and the Creeds doing the chase. So yeah, really fun stuff. And then over on Raw last night, you had two really fun things. You had Fury B Balor was a really good match, and they had a bit of a neck injury angle in the match, which is. A long-term story for Fury and Balor, because when Fury made his re-debut on the main roster, he attacked Finn Balor and did the, the selfie in the ring with him. And now he's taken his title. And then you got real shithousery with the hills raising him up afterwards, which was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And then he got put down and then... No chance, so Vince's music came on and he walked over to the ramp and took a selfie with Vince and then Vince raised his hand, so... They're all in on Fury. They've dropped his first name, but they're all in on all in on him. I'm really I'm not that fussed about his name and changing from Austin Fury to Fury. It is what it is. Uh yeah. Raw was fun. 
And if you want to watch some like fun, silly wrestling, which WWE really is, the character of Ezekiel, um, Elias's younger brother. I, um, I watched this segment with the one that Chad Gable was in. Yeah, it's so oh, that, good. I thought that was, yeah. I only like read and hear about stuff for a YouTube and stuff like that. And I watch the odd thing every now and then. And literally everything that Chad Gable's in is so freaking funny. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, he's great stuff. The fact that Owens was offering him 150 Canadian dollars <laughs> for his service as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Didn't he say something like, um, what was Ezekiel's catchphrase that he used? Like the, what with Elias? Uh, who wants to hear Zeke talk or something like that? It was something oh, like, but it, Zeke's yes. Speak, it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah, just just really silly and um, a lot of fun. So shall we move on to the round table? Yeah. Yes. Josh has got one for us, um, a surprise one, so we're not sure what it is. So, yeah, pretty simple one, to be honest. We spoke about them earlier. I want to get your guys' take on who should be the next recruit for the Blackpool Combat Club. Ooh. I had a little think about this earlier in terms of, like, because I was thinking with factions, you want them to be, like, balanced. So I think you've got Regal, who's, like, the older leader guy. You've got you, who's, like, the young or youngish upstart. You've got Mox and Danielson, who are, like, both the single stars, but also cover like the tag team section. So I was thinking, hmm, who do you want? You probably want a woman in, don't you? So I was thinking of a few names. And the one I settled on was Ruby Soho, because I think she's really popular. But I think she could do with like just a little bit more like oomph. And I think if she had like Regal in her ear, making her like, because those like some of the kicks she does are like good, but like could do better type thing. So I think yeah. putting her with Regal and Mox and those guys, I think would do loads behind her and like. If she went like a little bit more satanic, but like kept that baby face element to her, like the likability that she's got, I think she'd do really well in that group. So, also you guys she's got um, the NXT time with Regal. Yeah, yeah. Are we are we going for people from the current AEW roster slash free agents or any? I mean, I had free agents in my head as well when because I I had settled on a woman in the group and I was thinking of a few names. So yeah, just just anyone really who you think might be good in the group. Current roster. I would love to see uh, Jamie Hayter with him. Yes, yeah, good. That's good. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jamie Hayter. I've obviously seen her a lot more wrestle over here. Uh, she's worked like Japan, so she's got a bit of that strong style to her. She can hit some knees, hit some kicks. She's English. Yeah. Nearer to Blackpool than. I don't really, cl- I don't really think about that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Even it's a good point. It's a very good point. It's a very good point. Bringing yeah. it back to a previous podcast, James, that would be the best move from Southampton to Blackpool since Brett Ormerod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. But I'd love to see like Baszler in it, but obviously that seems unlikely. But if it was like I had, um, one, I had Nixon Newell in my head as well as another I was like thinking about. Just like Think a likable one who could do with a bit more like attitude. Yeah, so yeah. I've got two. I've got Pack. I think Pack moving away from Penta and Phoenix isn't an issue because I don't think that they've really been doing much together for a while, and I don't, I don't really see it working anyway. I've never really, really understood that trio. Yeah, it's kind of just. I just want, when Phoenix gets better, I just kind of want to see him and Penta just tag. To be honest, until they bring in trios titles, it's kind of redundant yeah. having proper trios, isn't it? Really. And in terms of you know 
finding the vicious side, which is the whole thing about him, that's Pac, right? He's the bastard. He's the, yeah. I think he's too good for it. I, <laughs> I too much of a bastard. Yeah, I, I, I think he has got that. I'd love to see him work with those guys, definitely. But in yeah, going more of a balance, even if it's not a female, I think he's too too good. I mean, I know I'm higher than I am than most people. <laughs> but I think he's just a little bit too high up the card to fit in. I think that's too many stars. That's just my immediate reaction to that. I think work the work-wise would be incredible. So definitely agree with that. But on a card-wise, I just feel a little bit too good for him. Fair, fair. Um, you probably won't like this this choice then from the free agent pack of the Kings of Wrestling. Yeah, I can I can get on board more with that. Definitely. Chris Hero and Cesaro, please. That'd be that's yeah. not a bad shout. That's not a bad shout at all. That, that, I like that one. I like that one. I think a lot of people presume Cesaro was going to join at one point. There was a, a lot of talk about that, wasn't there? Surely he's joining, right? Yeah, got to send him to Ring of Honor. Try to think of other other people just off the top of my head. I know someone like a Tom Lawler, maybe. It's a great shout. Yeah, I think he'd fit in well with them. But again, he don't. Again, maybe he's a bit too much of a hard man already. Do you know what I'd actually really enjoy? Like, I know that this is probably a bit too silly and a big part of their character is that they want to get rid of all the silliness in wrestling. But I would love them to pick up someone like Luther and try and train Luther to actually be good. (laughs) (laughs) Is he that bloke who used to hang around with Brandy? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Apparently, like... Because I remember he, he was on like Jericho's podcast and like this guy's got like proper Japanese like deathmatch history. Like he was a proper psycho back in the day, apparently. But yeah, I'm like you. The first time I saw him, he was hanging out with that weird early AEW Brandy Rhodes faction. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I just think like obviously they took someone who they saw the technical skills were amazing, but needed a bit of um, a push to get to that like other side of aggression. Yeah, and that's been a really fun story, but but you don't kind of want that to be the constant story. You kind of want a bit of difference, right? So someone, yeah, so someone that has got the aggression but hasn't got the finesse, maybe like they're having to train that other side of it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good shot. It doesn't have to be Luther. It can be someone slightly better than Luther. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon Cutler is perfect as he is. Leave him alone. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he does his job very well yeah he's, he's the best if it seems like a lot of these NXT UK wrestlers are leaving for pastures new whether it be NXT or getting a free agent status maybe Regal Sun oh yeah that'd be good wouldn't it that'd be the one yeah he'd won because <laughs> <laughs> he have a daughter as well um, don't get, Z- get Zaya Brookside in. Jeez. Yeah, get, get Zaya Brookside in. <laughs> that would make sense to be fair. You, him and Robbie were mates, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, there's some pretty good answers there. Good question. I enjoyed that. Did you have another one? So my other one was obviously with the Cardiff show coming up, and this weekend Tyson Fury's fighting. So I was thinking, presuming Tyson Fury wins, WWE kind of. I mean, they seem pretty tied to the idea of like. I think it's pretty much an open secret now that, like, if COVID wasn't a thing, they were going to do Drew and Tyson Fury at the SummerSlam that was in the Thunderdome. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, if you guys think Fury's going to be at this show, what they, you'd have him do? 
because the best idea I heard was like he'd do you know, like the Mike Tyson thing for the Austin HBK that he'd do that for a potential Drew Roman match, which I think could work quite well, given like, you know, he's teased an online feud with Drew McIntyre. And then like if Fury's the champion in his sport, then Roman's the champion in his. So presuming Fury's going to be on this Cardiff show in some form, if you'd want him in a match or if you'd want him just appearing or whatnot, what you'd have him do. I'm pretty sure that Sharfy pitched that in the episode yesterday. Uh, last yeah. Week. And um, yeah. my I other idea, right. which, which I suddenly regretted instantly was that you'd stick Tyson Fury in a match with Omos. And then I realized, <laughs> but then I recalled how terrible the Braun Strowman match was and like Omos is even worse than Braun Strowman. So <laughs> I don't want to see Tyson Fury wrestle Omos in front of like 60,000 people. Yeah. I think that the Enforcer thing would definitely work, probably work better than putting him in the ring for an actual <laughs> match. Um, I don't want to see him wrestle. But it probably would work. I think people would get behind him, dependent on who he's against. Yeah. Um, the match wouldn't be anywhere near as good, as you say, as like a Pat McAfee match or a Bad Bunny match. One, because he's not as athletic as them. And two, yeah. because he's still not actually retired. So, so you don't want to put you know, your big money fight on the line by breaking a leg in a wrestling match. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Fury v. Logan Paul. Logan Paul would, would be a lot of fun. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'd, go to, I'd walk to Cardiff to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, take all my money. I kind of feel like um, you could basically just put him in the middle of the ring and let him do like a karaoke set for 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, when he, when he won his world title, then he sang American Pie to his wife. Exactly. Poor guy. He could take like requests for, for like 20 minutes. <laughs> you just stick him on in like the semi-main. Can we just get um, Rob Armstrong to interview him? <laughs> yeah, just get a fan of a Guestlemania live show in the ring. <laughs> 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 just Robin Tyson Fury and Jake watch CM Punk Samoa Joe world title classic for an hour in Cardiff right if you're singing he's got to do. oh yeah it would be a bit of Tom Jones wouldn't it he's got that to be good. yeah that would go down a storm <laughs> but yeah for me the enfor- like the enforcer thing is the perfect one but that shout of him against Logan Paul probably work as well just one punch replayed around the world get all of them Logan Paul, Jake Paul, Aaron Paul, Robbie and Henry Paul, uh, Pope John Paul. <laughs> all in. Paul Ince. Paul Ince, yeah. It's like Wardlow with a security, just free throwing pools at him. <laughs> Tyson Fury in the pools. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Oh, dear. I hope that that... Uh, Answered your questions, Josh. <laughs> I'm I'm pumped now to see Lo- uh, Logan Paul and Tyson Fury at the Cardiff show. <laughs> Don Roman and Drew. I want to see that. <laughs> so let's end this episode 51 on a classic episode of Bingo. Good luck, James. B I N G O and Bingo was his name. Oh. So it's Josh versus James. Just to remind people, um, the last time I was on the pod, producer Phil's editing didn't quite do it justice just to how long we were clueless for about what to book. <laughs> <laughs> but Phil made us look 
like it took 10 seconds and it, it genuinely took a couple of minutes of silence. <laughs> You've gone behind the curtain there. Okay, let's do it. Are you ready? Look at bingo. Wow. <laughs> I think you might struggle with this one, boys. You've got NXT's original Tino Sabatelli versus Sanada. What, that boring Japanese guy? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so I'm going to go use a bit of the dirt sheet gossip here. For people who don't know, Tino Sabatelli had a brief run in AEW and was rumoured to be taking pretty much, he was basically apparently a spy for NXT. So, pretty much, I'm going to have him be a spy for NXT in New Japan. He's going to go over there, he's going to hear all Ghetto's plans for the next Wrestle Kingdom, and then he's going to tell WWE, and WWE are going to do what they did when they signed AJ, Shinsuke, and the Good Brothers all at the same time. And then it's going to end, basically, with Sonada being picked as the guy to pretty much have a shoot fight with Tino Sabatelli and that's going to be that basically so if Sabatelli wins he can release the footage <laughs> and if Sonada if wins uh, yeah if Sabatelli wins Ghetto legit has got to come to WWE and just tell them everything <laughs> all these secrets James oh, I'll set you up for a win there best I can buddy oh, I, don't <laughs> you I think you missed out a little bit by not having um, Marcelo Bielsa in Tino's corner <laughs> what? <laughs> Remember when they spied on Derby? Oh, the spy gate was Derby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That took me a second there. That's good. James, can you beat Spygate? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Spygate is pretty good, to be fair. Um, my, my knowledge of Tino Sabatelli is as him as his uh, previous incarnation, uh, Sabi Pizzicelli. He was a reasonably successful NFL player for numerous teams. He played a, about five or six year career. It wasn't just like a... Is this legit, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah he played for like the uh, the Bucks. Um, geez, a couple of few years of um, like genuine playing time as well. Uh, oh, that's, right. uh, that's why I knew him from most. When he turned up in NXT, he was the sort of big... Because that's why he was a rich guy. He had to, even though he was in NXT. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember. Sports yeah, and yeah. Stuff. So I'm thinking, you know, he's uh, got this NFL career... We find out Sonada is a big football fan. Oh, it's just going to go nowhere, I know it already. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, so yeah, Sonada's a big NFL fan, like him and... Naito was always sort of watching the Super Bowl together and Evil used to go before they, when they were still mates. Um, I don't think they're mates anymore. I'm a bit behind. No, definitely not mates. No. And so, so Sonada turns up into in the Forbidden Doors open into the AEW um, version of Sabby. I think he was, was he called Sabby? I'm just finding out on Wikipedia. Yeah, Sabby. So Sonada turns up into a sort of AEW versus New Japan crossover. And he's like, I saw you for the 2010 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Savvy. And I think I could have done a better job. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Been holding that in for 12 years. Yeah, <laughs> he's been really uh, holding it back. And and, and uh, Savvy is obviously furious because, uh, you know, this is his livelihood. You know, he's, I'm like a multi, he's a multi-sport athlete. He's, and Sonada's 
a sort of wearing a skull to the ring. And so he says, I disagree. And I, you know, I could beat you at football and I'll beat you at wrestling. And then what we'll do is we'll get someone to choose a third sport and it'll be a three sports of hell match. Uh, yeah. They start off playing a game of American football, just sort of one-on-one drills that you'd see at the combine. So, and obviously Savvy beats him. So Nardo gets close, but you know he's, he's a former professional, so it's no professionals, but he absolutely smashes him. And then they have the wrestling match, and the victor is obviously Sonada, because as much as I'm not a huge fan, he is a very a great technician, and uh, so he he makes him tap out. So it's one all, and they've got to decide the third fall or third sport. And so they end up playing a game of darts. <laughs> and it all breaks down in the end. And Sonada picks up Sabi and does the lawn dart, throws him into the corner. And Sabi has to submit from the darts match and loses. And Sonada goes over 2-1 in the three sports of hell match. <laughs> I mean, you pulled it back at the end. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> had a rocky start, but pulled it back. <laughs> Great finish. That is amazing. You've basically booked the um, War Raiders versus Street Profits feud from 2020. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Did they do that? <laughs> it was It was pretty much. Your booking was actually better than their feud. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So, Josh, yours had a clear start and it kind of trailed off at the end with not really a... With a shoot fight? With like a... <laughs> more of a... I want to see that. More of a Pancras sort of a style fight at, <laughs> at the end. I want to see uh, Gedo and Vince McMahon have a booking meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> but there was no mention of said booking meeting being seen. So um, it lost points for that and, and the lack of Marcelo Bielsa. <laughs> um Imagine NXT 2.0 with Ghetto booking it. <laughs> It'd be wild. And James, as uh, Josh pointed out, you weren't really confident at the start, but you really came into, into your own. And I think that you've shown that you've got the heart of Hangman Page. <laughs> for the first time in a long time, or even ever. First time when it's been someone else on the show, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give the win to, to JCH. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Ross, your booking of me and Josh was. Better than either of them can But no, I'll definitely take it. Uh, you know, a good, a good competition. Um, <laughs> nice, nice to get that first win. Only taken 51 tour starts. So one, one more than Sanjay Im. I tend to go with the um, the Vince McMahon booking logic of seeing something and just going with it. So yeah. I saw Tino Sabatelli <laughs> and I know this one story about Tino Sabatelli. <laughs> and I was, that was it. I was gone. So thanks uh, so much for both of you coming on. Is there anything that you want to plug, guys? Well, my blog, I recently did my 250th blog post, which I, I mainly post about wrestling and all sorts. I'm currently doing a series where I book, using the WWE 2K22 game, I book my own universe mode, which I use as therapy to <laughs> help me forget to help me forget the real-life booking of WWE. I at the age of 26, use a games console. <laughs> nice. And where can we find that blog? It is nobodiesready.com. Perfect. And James? Dom's not here. I'll plug the Instagram for him. Wrestling should be fun on Instagram. I, I say I watched some of it yesterday on my way up to see you guys 
uh, on my way back from the golf course. And that Luke Jacobs finishing sequence looked awesome. And Dom did a great... I know, I know some people don't like seeing finishes, but I enjoyed watching it. And uh, Dom does a great job capturing stuff. I say, as having tried to do it for him at Bloodsport, it's bloody hard. Respect for what he does. On that as well, because I've, I've not been on since that, the stuff over many a weekend on Instagram was genuinely unbelievable, by the way. <laughs> It was absolutely amazing. The blood on the seat was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it. It was uh, yeah, it's fun to do for a one-off, but yeah, I'll let Dom definitely continue to be the <laughs> regular host. <laughs> so yeah, as always, like and rate us on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. As James said, we're Wrestling Should Be Fun on Instagram. We're on Twitter at WSBFUN. And remember to look after your mates and drink lots of water. That's been episode 51 of Wrestling Should Be Fun. And we'll see you next week. See you. Bye, everyone. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. fun.